0: Hey Chloe. What's your purpose? You know what? Let's talk about it. Welcome back to Fact of Life with Chloe Nolan and Maddie Grace Watson. You are listening to Radio Free
1: Hillsdale 101.7 FM.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into The Fact of Life today. We're so grateful and excited that you're here with us. We're stoked for what we have today for you guys. We're diving into our second question of our series that we're going through right now about the toughest questions that people ask themselves. Today, we're talking about what is the point of my life? Why is humanity here? And what is our purpose in life? We're going to be talking about that question today. Maddie Grace, what's that looking like?
1: So, you know, this second question really comes directly from our last segment on what is my identity. You know, a lot of people it's like, okay, so I have my identity, what's next? And, you know, your purpose stems, it stems from your identity and it points towards what you believe to be the purpose of humanity, like Chloe said. And so there's four different pathways that we kind of discovered kind of doing our research that people go on this journey and, um... Unfortunately, the three most common ones are the the wrong ones, but it it's really easy it's really easy to be susceptible to them. Just like we talked about last week with identity, how it's really easy to place your identity in something that's, you know, not there, something that's fluid, something that's not going to be there for you. You know, it's the same with with your purpose. But going into this, you know, we all ask ourselves after we have our identity, what is our purpose? But with that, it's, it's interesting to look at how people and how the world defines purpose.
0: I just wanted to look at the, you know, the dictionary definition of purpose. What does that word even mean? Like when we're asking ourselves this question, what is our purpose in life? What is our, what's the point? Purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. A person's sense of resolve or determination like these kinds of things are built together i know like at hillsdale we discuss oftentimes what is the good and we're told that the good is well we discover i think together that the good is when something fulfills its purpose so we want to be doing good um, I think that's what most people want for themselves. They want something, they want their life to mean something. They want purpose. I, I read that part of, part of this idea of learning to live with purpose or what your purpose is, this one website said, Finding your purpose in living is more than a cliche. Learning how to live your life with purpose can lead to a sense of control, satisfaction, and general contentment. Feeling like what you do is worthwhile, um, arguably a significant key to a happy life. And I think Aristotle would agree with that finding your purpose is the key to a good life, the happy life. Mm-hmm. But how do we get there? Well, we were discussing this, and we honestly realized that there is a parable in Mark four that truly sums up this kind of idea of finding finding your purpose and kind of these four pathways we're t- going to talk about today and and what kind of happens with that In the second half of today's episode, we're going to dive into the fourth and final per- way people find their purpose and that would be the correct one. But in this first segment, we're talking about the four or the, the three ways that people tend to try and find their purpose and why that's wrong. So talking about this, we're going to look at this parable from Mark 4. Um, it's the parable of the sower. And in this parable, Jesus tells the story of um, seeds that have fallen on ground
1: and what kind of happens to them. So my degree is, What does it say just like quickly summarize the parable of the sower one day there's this farmer that's go out going out and he's going to sow some seeds and just like chloe said um jesus is telling this parable and he goes out and seeds fall among four different places and we kind of see throughout the parable how each how the seed tries to thrive in each of those environments it happens in four very different ways. We'll kind of talk about each little one as we get to it and how it lines up with our four different ways people will kind of find their purposes. But it's really interesting to see how how the seed reacts to the environment that it's in. Um, you would think, you know, there's there's three way there's three that the seed end up dying, ends up dying in and there's one that doesn't. But even amongst the ones that ends up dying in, there are three very different stories. But we'll definitely kind of... Elaborate a little bit more on each of those ways whenever we get to each of those pathways. So as we we're just kind of discussing this story, the seeds
0: are an example of us as human beings. We're growing up in this, in in these different environments, or we're learning about our purpose. Um, we're learning about truth. We're learning about what's real in life growing up. And so it's just like we, we're we the seeds, and there's these different environments that are growing up. And so the first one Jesus talks about, he said there's some seeds— that were thrown and they fell along the path and birds came and devoured it. That's kind of the first one we're looking at here. Looking at that, Maddie Grace, how would you describe the path and, and the birds eating up the seeds? Like what is this? Like this, this sounds so strange, but
1: like what are we getting at here? Yeah, so with this, you know, the seeds are thrown on the path. Maybe it looks, it, it looks from the outside like it might be a good place to root up. Like, I know there's, there's a path that we walk to on the way to class every day. You know, it's nice dirt, nice everything, but nothing would be able to go there. Birds would come, people would trample over it. Kind of like the Yellow Bick Road, you know, in
0: uh, The Wizard of Oz. I feel like it's just, it's like, oh, it's the path, the Yellow Bick Road. It's this
1: huge pathway. Like, that's where, that's where the stuff is happening. It brings so much happiness, yeah. you know. Um, it's, it's a pretty path. There's things all around. It. Like, that's where you want to be. Yeah, that's I mean, where all the people are. And so in that way, whenever we're finding our purpose, that's kind of like when we're finding our purpose from what society society is telling us, you know, Mm -hmm. we're being spoon fed information from society. And in a lot of ways, we relate it back a lot of these ways that aren't don't end up being right we're being told we're we're we're, we're not we're gravitating towards individualism and in mm-hmm. this one society is spoon feeding us individualism mm-hmm. so first you know you found your identity in something society has told you to find your identity in. you're like all right let's go i've got this new identity i'm gonna go for it and society's telling you great you you know you do this you identify as this you're doing great at this and then you know that, that's where you're finding your purpose like you know what yeah society's telling me i'm doing great at this society's telling me mm-hmm. i am unique in this way and it turns into a very um, self-reflecting inward looking thing where you're really not thinking about what you're being spoon-fed but at this point everyone's just telling you to think about yourself and so it's an inward facing purpose to accomplish your own goals mm-hmm. and right because if you're looking at like you know what
0: i mentioned a little bit earlier if aristotle is saying the good is something fulfilling its purpose or doing what it's meant to be if society is telling you that you're meant to be a certain way or your purpose in life is to do a certain thing which they would tell you your purpose is to be fully yourself and and make yourself happy I I don't think that works though. You can't you can't be happy if you are not fulfilling the purpose for which you've you've been created, mm-hmm. and that's not the way that society looks at you. They don't say you've been created for a purpose. They just say, while you're here, have fun. You know,
1: I, mm-hmm. I think that's what we're they looking say. At. Your purpose has been created for for you, not like mm-hmm. for you. Well, yes, for you, but like to fulfill yourself. Right, which which translates
0: into everything that we see now. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're if your purpose is for yourself alone, why should you care about abortion? Why should mm-hmm. you care about the country? Why why should you care about any of these things if it's all about you?
1: Exactly. And you know, if we go back to what you know, like Chloe said, like the good is um, fulfilling your purpose and what like what you were created for. You know, I don't. I didn't create myself. Humans don't create like like no human created themselves and so you can't define your own purpose because you know if if you're made to like, fulfill your purpose of whatever you were created for mm-hmm. that's just not how that works either right
0: we're um reading the book metamorphosis right now in my Great books class and it it is such a weird book but mm-hmm. it really has been insightful into kind of roman culture and what's going on in that time, but it, it also is this great work on a reflection of human nature and desire. And um, it's it's really quite incredible. But there's this section at the very end, um, this guy named Pythagoras is singing a song and he kind of walks through the purpose of life and kind of tries to give like a natural, um, a natural explanation for things that previously he's been giving a mythological explanation for. It's strange. But um, what he's talking about is that Everything is fluid. Everything is in motion. It doesn't really matter what you do because you can reincarnate and you can just be whatever you want to be. You know, you might be an otter in one life and then when you die, you're going to go up to heaven and then come back down and you're going to be a toad. and Or you could be a human again and it doesn't really matter because everything is fluid. Everything is good to go. You can do whatever you want. That is what this kind of first thing we're looking at is it's mm-hmm. totally just like whatever because there's no actual real consequences to anything you do you but that is inherently false and so mm-hmm. this is the seed dies yeah cuz um,
1: your seed has found nothing good to root itself in
0: that's right um the seed becomes eaten um by the birds it becomes devoured and that obviously is not good so then there's a the second there's a the second one um Jesus is walking along or he's, he's telling the story, and the sower throws seeds and they fall upon some rocks, which really thin topsoil layer just amidst a bunch of rocks. And so, in this setting, Jesus says that the seeds take root quickly, but because they have no roots, the sun scorches them, they have nothing to um, sustain them, and they die immediately. Matter Grace, like, what is this talking about?
1: Yeah, so this one honestly kind of segues off of the path to. Honestly, I I'm, I'm not sure which one's worse. I mean, these are all kind of not the mm-hmm. best. But with this one, um you're you're still you're still rooting your purpose um like, you know, through your identity and something that's that's not going to sustain you in something fluid. But in this mm-hmm. one, it's not society society's not sp- spoon-feeding you individualism. In this one, you know, you're you're bringing it upon yourself. It's you're bringing upon this like this hyper individualism upon yourself, and your your brain is thinking. You know before with the path, um, the path, the what pathway and the analogy there, society is spoon feeding it to you. But this one, your brain's working, you're thinking, but it's only thinking inwardly upon yourself. So you're mm-hmm. not being spoon fed the information, but you're still not thinking beyond yourself. Right. This kind of reminds me of um Tocqueville. We've been we've been yes. reading
0: we've been reading Alexis de Tocqueville in mm-hmm. my American Heritage class. Mine too. Um and so he's he's so fascinating because he's this French guy, super young, super cool. He comes to America and spends like 201 days in America or something like that. Maybe it's like 280, I forgot. But something like that, um a little under a year, and he just tours around and and sees America looks through everything and is trying to just see like why and how America works. And he he just really, he writes this really interesting book called Democracy in America. And it's just fascinating because he takes a step back as, you know, a foreigner and looks into how the American government works and how the people work. And so he just, he gives this great insight. But he was talking about individualism and he said that there's just this rampant individualism within society because everyone is equal everyone you know they all have the equal opportunity and so there's kind of like this this middling like um, people aren't either super smart but they're not all dumb either because there's a certain level of education that everyone has so everyone's kind of the same and when you start from that level All you're thinking about is yourself because you want to get ahead or you want to do what take what it takes to to get ahead. And so um, but it it creates this hyper individualist individualistic society where people are thinking about themselves. He's saying like in an aristocracy, when you had, um, you know, gentlemen with their families, like the gentlemen cared about their families. They cared about the immediate people um, they were with. And, and in Virginia, you know, we saw there were there were gentlemen that, you know, they took care of the community. It was their job. It was their role as a gentleman to be the caretaker of the community because, you know, they were, you know, independently wealthy and they, they had the ability to do that. And so that was their job. It was just kind of like this hegemonic or patriarchal um, authority. But that doesn't exist anymore in America because there is no aristocracy. Everyone is equal. And so, everyone becomes in really focused because they don't have to care about anything but themselves
1: yeah you know we're also reading tocqueville in my american heritage class right now and it has just been so interesting to read um in democracy in america book two part two chapter two one you know he's talking about democratic countries and countries that are going towards democracy and chloe touched on kind of that part of it some but um he's just talking about how this hyper individualism is brought about by democracy and Mm. you know as she said he's surveying america and how it has turned kind of from this original constitutional republic this aristocracy type thing to people strongly advocating for democracy and we still see that today but he (coughs) says andrew jackson (laughs) uh, this is true um he says in ages of equality which he's talking about like democracy and stuff here um every man seeks for his opinions within himself and then he goes on one a little bit farther down. He's like, ego, Egotism is a passionate and exaggerated love of self, which leads a man to connect everything with, with his own person and to preser- prefer himself to everything in the world. And then again, a little farther down than that, he says, Egotism blights the germ of all virtue. Individualism at first only saps the virtues of public life, but in the long run, it attacks and destroys all. All others, and like, this is just—it—it's so interesting to see him, to see that like he saw all of these things Mm -hmm. so early on in our country's history. It's so eerie to read him. You just—you see it now. You know, democracy is a concept that has continued to grow, and people still still fight for it to continue to to continue to grow. And here you have Tocqueville at the very beginning of that transition, Mm -hmm. being like, "Hey." Y'all, this, this isn't it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, good well, luck. And he, he writes in the end of um, one of his chapters, he talks about how this democracy becomes despotism and and how, like, this system actually doesn't work. And he's saying that, you know, Democratic peoples, like the he, the ones he found in America, were not necessarily going to fall underneath like a direct tyranny like the king that we just had gotten out of in the American Revolution. He says um, that uh, d- if despotism became established among democratic nations of today, it would have other characteristics. It would be more extensive and milder, and it would degrade men without tormenting them. And he goes on to say... I see an innumerable crowd of similar and equal men who spin around restlessly in order to gain small and vulgar pleasures with which they fill their souls. Each one of them, withdrawn apart, is like a stranger to the destiny of all others. His children and his particular friends form for him the entire human species. As for the remainder of his fellow citizens, he is next to them, but he does not see them. He touches them without feeling them. He exists only in himself and for himself alone. That's, is that just not a perfect explanation
1: of our society today? Honestly, like, Tocqueville just, like, exi- like he, he hits got it. the nail on the head <laughs> he so really many does. times. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. He, one, another quote, he says, Egotism originates in blind instinct. Individualism proceeds from erroneous judgment more than from depraved feelings. It originates as much in the deficiencies of the mind as in the perversity of the heart. Yeah. But, you know, these, what Tocqueville is saying here, it really aligns perfectly well with this second pathway to purpose that we're talking about. You know, that, the, those, those rocks where you're being scorched by the sun, because that seed, you know, that's, that's where you're placing your identity. And so, um, mm-hmm. it, it, you're, you're focusing on yourself Exactly as Tocqueville said. And, you know, that does involve society in a lot of ways. Like we talked about with the first one. Yes, your mind's thinking on itself. But, um, you know, you're, you're trying to root it. But it's just not working. Because where you're placing it, it's just, it's not, it's not the it's, right. It's, it's like, going to be
0: scorched. It's going to be scorched. You can't do
1: it. Yeah. And then
0: there's, there's the third way. Um, and, you know, we'll touch on this quickly before we transition. But <clears throat> um, this one in the third one Jesus says that the sower throws his seeds among thorns and there is soil here where the seeds do truly try and root um and they do they grow but thorns choke them out and and thorns grow up after them and choke them out and so um i, I this just kind of reminded me kind of of like the new year's resolution yes. type stuff you know mm-hmm. like where you understand maybe that, like, okay, it, it can't be all about me. Like, I have to care about other people. I have to love other people. It needs to be about other people and not myself. But it's it's not based in anything. Like, it's it's not based in anything firm and solid. And you're not, you know, you might have good morals, but you, you aren't finding those from an, an objective thing. This kind of reminds me of a story that that Dr. Jackson, or my, my professor in great books, keeps going over. He's saying, is it better for someone to know which is right and wrong and still choose the wrong answer, or to just not even know it all and, and go go down the wrong path? And I've just been kind of contemplating this as we're talking about purpose. You know, is it is it better for you to just, like, if you know what's right and then you still choose the wrong path, or you just don't even and, and go down the wrong path. And so mm-hmm. we're going to be discussing this as we continue on in our in our, in our segment here. Um, and we're really going to answer this question about that fourth purpose, that fourth pathway. What truly is our purpose um, and, and how can we know what is right and actually walk down that path?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll pick y'all back up right after the break, but thank you so much for listening to Fact of Life here on Radio Free Hillsdale one oh one point seven FM. We will see you after the break.
0: Welcome back to Fact of Life with Chloe Nolan and Maddie Grace Watson. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.
1: so much for tuning back in with us today we have had a great time talking about what is our purpose Um, earlier on in today's episode we talked about kind of the three different ways that um, people typically find their purpose that aren't necessarily always the right way and we'll kind of refer back to those throughout this segment here but now we're going to talk about that that fourth way that mysterious fourth way so chloe why don't you take it away as we were discussing this kind of fourth path where
0: Jesus says the sower threw the seed. It landed in good soil. It took deep root and it thrived. This is this is what we're talking about. And it reminded me of something that one of the people I look up to a lot. Uh, her name is Allie Beth Stecki. Phenomenal podcast. Um, phenomenal woman. If you are looking for a good podcast, she's definitely a good one to listen to. As I was kind of thinking about this, Allie Beth wrote a book called You're Not Enough and That's Okay. Such a great title. Literally love the woman. Um, But she's saying here, society tells you that you are enough. You have everything within you to be enough for yourself, for others, for whatever you want in life, to fulfill your purpose, to, to do what you've been created to do, you know, whether that be by the universe or by yourself, I don't know. But society tells you that you have it within you. You have enough. All you have to do is believe in yourself and you're going to be great. Just believe in your heart. Like how many times do we hear that? I can think, I mean, in the new Cinderella movie, the live action Cinderella movie, there's a song. She's like, believe in yourself and, you know, hold fast to kindness and it's all going to be amazing. And like, I agree, like kindness and courage, so good. But unfortunately, you aren't enough you aren't enough you cannot amount to anything to fulfill your life on your own and that's just that that's just the hard truth of that and that seems so hopeless to say but she says you aren't enough and that's okay because Jesus Christ is enough God is enough the one who created you with a specific purpose in mind that we're going to be talking about right now he created you and because of his sacrifice on the cross and because we can accept that we are enough in Christ his his righteousness has been imputed to us and we can be enough and so it's it's okay that we aren't enough within ourselves
1: it can be a really hard concept to wrap your mind around whenever your your current place is kind of in one of those three other soils or rocks or maybe amongst the thorns from others it's like wait like making that decision to no longer um, like we talked about in our last episode, place your identity in yourself or place your identity in something else. It's one of those things that it, it can be confusing at first and it can be something that's not necessarily, it, you're like, what? like it, It's just, it's a weird thing to wrap your head around if you're from that position. But, you know, our our purpose, it, it goes back to like, what is like the good, like Chloe was saying mm-hmm. in the first one. And, you know, that's, that's a tough question in and of itself, but it, it really it's a simple answer in a way too because we're filling our purpose what we were created for and you know god created us and it it's interesting kind of we we googled what to try to find out kind of what people <laughs> what we're like well you know we better understand kind of what google is telling us our purpose so you know let's let's go to google let's figure out what society's saying and we for the purpose we found to find your purpose, and this is, uh, this is what we found on the internet, to find your purpose, you need to figure out how you can best use your passions and skills to achieve your unique goals and solve your unique problems. The amount of time... I'm going to count. one, two, three, four, five, six, six four, five, six. Six times in that one sentence was some form of the word you or your. Six yeah. times.
0: Ugh. Before we give you the answer, because... This is just such an incredible moment. I just think it, it radically changes every sphere of life. But there's a story. So there's this incredible book called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. A fantastic book. In the beginning of this book, John Piper is talking about his dad. And his dad is an, an, an evangelist. And he uh, was in this church. And there is an old man there who had been just... He'd been like the the hard... Old man of the community, you know the one that everyone prayed for and that hoped that he would come to Christ, but it just seemed so grim that he he wasn't going to because he 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 was so hard hearted and and yet there was one night where this old man came to the front of the church um, during a church service and he just he gave his life to Christ and it was this really powerful moment and they they were praying and um, John Piper says his his dad always tells this story with tears and it just kind of seared this. This fear in John Piper's heart, he says, the old man, while he knew he had been saved, he walked back and forth sobbing, crying to himself, I've wasted it, I've wasted it. And it's just this, such a powerful picture where this, this, this man realized that truly the only thing to live his life for was Christ, and he had wasted his life because he had not done that. And so John Piper said, how in the world do I not waste my life? What does it look like to not waste the life that God has given me? And this answer is we are to glorify God. Um, God has created us to live with a single passion to joyfully display his excellence in in all spheres of life. The wasted life is a life without that passion um, of glorifying God. And I think this, this is interesting when we just talk about this. It seems like. It seems like God is just saying, well, you glorify me and and that's that's what's going to make you happy. That seems like we're being used or that that could sound like we he doesn't really care about our happiness, but it's just that we we glorify him. But the thing is, I love this quote. John Piper says, "Would you feel more loved by God if he made much of you or if he liberated you from the bondage of self-regard at a great cost to himself so that you enjoy making much of him forever?" I just want to think about this for a second because we've been talking about this individ- individualism and and making much of ourselves and knowing that within ourselves we have everything that we need and and yet that is exactly antithetical to what Christ says. Um God God created us specifically for a purpose. I mean, we it's not that he needs us, but he he loves us and because he created us don't we want to give glory to our creator like if you created a little anthill and the ants were down there saying no buddy you you can just do whatever whatever you want live your life for you don't care about anything else outside of yourself just do your own thing like as you looking down on your little anthill that you made that's horribly insulting like you created them that that's your creation right there living their life having fun um and i mean that's that's a sad example and all all examples break down at some point but he's saying god is the one being in the universe for whom self exaltation is the most loving act god is most glorified when we're satisfied in him when we are satisfied and find our identity in who christ has made us to be that is where we are most
1: fulfilled you know what you're ta- you're talking that chloe and this just this popped into my mind really quickly. But have you ever read uh, *You Are Mine* by Max Lucado? Yes, you, you were talking a about Ant Hill, and that just oh. that popped into my mind. Um, for those of you who haven't read it, this is just one of those books that, it's like, so I beautiful. we grew up reading in school. I absolutely love it. But with like the gold star. Yes, oh. but basically, there's this little town, and it's called Wimexville, and in it live little Wimex, and basically they're like little like wooden people yeah. and they go around and each person has a box of like gray dots and then another box of like golden stars and when someone does something good or they want to like congratulate them they get a golden star and they stick it on them and, but whenever it's something bad maybe they mess up at something or they just don't really like them they really for whatever reason they give them a gray dot and it sticks on them and they can't take it off well, one day the little like main character in this story, uh, Punchinello, he meet he sees this other wimik and she doesn't have a single sticker on her. There's not a star, there's not a dot, and he's so confused because then he sees people will walk up to her and be like, "Oh, like she doesn't have any dots. Let me give her a star," or vice versa, and they don't stick. So after he meets this girl Wimmick, who just doesn't have any dots, he asks her why, like why don't why aren't your stickers sticking? And she says, "Well, I, I go and I visit Eli. So you need to go visit Eli. And so finally, Punchinello gets up, gets up the nerve to go visit Eli. And Eli's the the maker. Yeah, of he's them the, all the maker the of all of them. So he lives up on the hill in the house. And he goes and he visits them, and he just he spends time with him every day. And slowly but surely, his stickers start to fall off. And it's just it's this beautiful story, very well done, especially like for children to understand. But it's it's really a beautiful story no matter your age." And this this reminded me of what Chloe was saying because in this story, you know, we are the wimics mm-hmm. and God, God is Eli. When Punchinello finally started, you know, placing who he was, placing his identity, and then furthermore his purpose in in Eli and his his creation from Eli, everything else didn't matter anymore. The stickers, right. it was he was living the life he was made to live, and it was a joyful one and one where he could then bring others to find joy and stop. Right. Like that the stickers
0: of society didn't stick anymore because he knew that they didn't matter. They weren't Mm -hmm. what actually, you know, made made him a person. It was what Eli said about him that mattered. It was what his creator said about him that mattered to, to the rest of society. And so when you have something outside of yourself informing you who you are, it's not on yourself to figure it out anymore that's so huge I when we can take a step back outside of ourselves and look to Christ and look to the one who has made us and and when we choose to believe who he says we are in him we don't need to figure it out ourselves we can trust that God knows what he's doing and that he's sovereign and that our lives are held in his hands and we don't need to worry um I just think that's so beautiful and that's so impactful. We can as seeds we can be take root in good soil. We don't need to be, you know, we we can stay wary of the thorns that can grow up and choke us out, you know, that the things that society tells us are good and maybe they are good. I think the thorn story really applies to situations where there might be really good things that come into our lives, like relationships or college or classes or anything anything that could be good, but when those become the primary thing when we place our, you know, big or capital I identity in them, that is when they can choke us out and we can we can die, we can fall away. I, I think this idea of purpose truly does stem from identity. When we place our identity in the one who's created us, in the one that has formed us in the womb but and, and written every one of our days before any of them have come to be, when we place our identity in that truth, then we can take root in good soil, we can find that nutrients we can read the scripture we can be encouraged by other believers you know and we we can we can fulfill what we have been made to be and that is the good
1: exactly one of the reasons do you yeah. hear that dr arn that's the good <laughs> <laughs> it's funny we have a joke around campus that um dr arn will always come up to students and ask them what is the good and uh, students have a really hard time trying to find an answer because dr arn <laughs> is so insanely smart and he'll always try to like counter no matter what you say even if he agrees with you he'll counter your answer so it's really funny but one of the reasons we really loved how the parable of the sower like directly applied to this was because looking at how identity and purpose work with each other and you know you see those seeds from the parable of the sower um your your identity like we've been saying it's that seed you know you're rooting it in something and your purpose directly stems from your identity Mm -hmm. It, it directly comes from it um, you know, our our actions are determined by our purpose and our purpose is determined mm-hmm. by identity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that way, our purpose is so important because it quite literally affects everything yeah. we do. And it's the foundation. It's the foundation. Maddie Grace, you told me a
0: story yesterday about kindergarten and first I, grade. I did. You need
1: to tell that um, story. This it, it immediately made me think about this um, because... Back when I was in first grade, and you know, this is really stuck with me, and I don't know why, because it was like it was like a one like 30 second conversation, and we moved on with our day like on the first day of first grade. But for some reason, however, like what 13 years later, it is still in my head. But um, that year, we I think there had been someone in my class. Um, I don't even remember who at this point, but we it was from, we made a transition from kindergarten to first grade, and one of our classmates. Um, like uh, like so many people do, had d- done, was doing kindergarten a second time. And so our our first grade teacher, in the best way possible to explain to little first graders, was kind of telling us why our classmate from last year wasn't going to be a classmate this year and why he was redoing kindergarten. Um, and the analogy she used for us, it just, it really stuck. She said, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're building a building. And you have that first that first cornerstone with what you learn in kindergarten and if that foundation isn't solid enough then when you try to build the next floor the the first grade floor and the second grade floor if your foundation isn't strong if your cornerstone of that building isn't strong it's all going to crumble and so you have to make sure that that cornerstone is as strong as possible and she was telling us like that because um our classmate was making sure that his kindergarten cornerstone was strong so that all of the other floors above it would be fine and it wouldn't come crashing down. In the same way that whenever you're going from a kindergarten to first grader or anything like that, and you're having to make sure that your, your educational cornerstone is as strong as can be so that you can build your building as high as possible, it's the same way with our identity and purpose. You know, you have to make sure that your identity is, is created, is is your foundation, in the strongest way possible, and when we're placing our identity in things that are fluid or in things that are temporary, the building you're building on top of that is going to crumble mm-hmm. whenever that identity shifts or mm-hmm. whenever it it goes away. But when you're making that identity, when you're forming that foundation, that cornerstone in something objective like forever and something strong— like you have here with, with god and what is like the objective truth here then that cornerstone mm-hmm. is going to be absolutely as strong as possible just like we tried to make our kindergarten cornerstone as strong as possible so we could build up first second and third grade and all of that mm-hmm. but now our identity cornerstone is going to be strong so then our purpose can build off of that and it won't fall away
0: yeah absolutely it, it, this whole discussion reminds me of jonathan edwards i'm currently in a class just strictly on Jonathan Edwards and his theology, um, which is absolutely fascinating. But something that he wrote, um it was this like it was this book of miscellanies that he wrote. but in it he had these resolutions uh, when he was a pastor in New York and, and this guy lived in seventeen in the 18th century. and and so he he just had this intense desire to live his life for the glory of God. and and he everything that he did stemmed from that. Um, and he wrote these resolutions that kind of sound so, like, um, it's so crazy. I, this, this man was incredible. But w- his fifth resolution, he said, Resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. In resolution six, he says, Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Um, in resolution 22, he said, Resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness as, as I possibly can with all the power, might, vigor, vehemence, yea, violence I am capable of, or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. It is such an interesting resolution for someone who is so um, focused on the glory of God, and it, it seems it could strike us as blatantly self centered, but we need to understand the deep connection in Edward's mind between the glory of God and the happiness of Christians. Jesus desires. And, and God created us to be happy, to be joyful, to be satisfied, but only in him. Only in him can we be truly satisfied and and, and find that, that purpose. And so it, this is just everything, everything kind of comes back to this point of when we find something, when we find our purpose and identity and something outside of ourselves, the one who created us and formed us is informing us who we actually are. It's not on us anymore, and we can have
1: true happiness and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It's like um, Romans eight twenty eight, which says, "And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose." Mm -hmm. And um, it it also reminds me of a song that we were kind of taught growing up. But it's and they'll know we are Christians by our love. I don't know Mm -hmm. if if you ever knew the song growing up, but um, it's a good hymn. It's it's so it kind of ties back to like how. You know, everything comes back to your identity and your purpose builds on that and your actions come from that. And so the purpose, the the, kind of the intent of the song is saying like, it's in a title and they'll know we are Christians by our love. And so when you place your identity in Christ and um, being a child of God and your your purpose comes from that, then all of your actions will be affected through that and how you treat other people and how Mm -hmm. you minister to other people and people we'll know that you're Christians by your love. It's really self-explanatory mm-hmm. in the title, but it just kind of reminded me that um, as we were going. There, there's a lot of Bible verses that speak to it, too, like we were saying with Romans 8:28, there. And then um, another one that I found was, it was in Matthew 28, I believe. Yes, Matthew 28, 19, but mm. it's, Such you know, verse. God's saying, yeah, he's talk, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples um, in Galilee, and he's saying, therefore go and make disciples of all, well, Going back to verse 18, the whole quote there, says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age.
0: That verse, do you realize what that means? And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You guys, no matter what we're going through in life, what we struggle with, you know, when we're struggling to place our identity in Christ, and and even when we have, we're struggling to find that purpose or to truly live doing everything that we are doing to glorify God. Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age, and and there is grace and redemption for that. But Man, you guys, it has been so Mm -hmm. phenomenal to dive into this with you guys today. Um, You know, talking about this question of what is our purpose? We're looking forward to next week. We're going to wrap up our third question. Um, Mm -hmm. Really exciting things coming
1: up for that. Um, But we're really thankful that you guys have tuned in today. Yes. um, As always, make sure that if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at factoflifepodcast at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram and follow us while you're at it. Our handle is at factoflifepodcast, and this one's new, but we have a Twitter account, so make sure you go follow us on there. You can find us um, at factoflifepod and we'll we'll keep you updated on there as well Absolutely. but thank you guys so much for tuning in you can hear us on radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm or on our own um, outlets as well wherever you get your podcasts our name is fact of life and thank you guys so much as always my name is chloe Noller, and my name is maddie grace watson and, and we, we approve of this
0: message, message.